0: We have come to uh, the final installment in a series of messages uh, where we have been looking at what it would have been like to encounter Jesus, to listen to him, to see him minister uh, before we knew how it was going to end and why. And this journey has been uh, eye-opening for me in many respects as we have just sort of, you know, suspended our understanding of how it concludes and just tried to engage Christ as he appeared in, in real time. And this morning, we sort of come to this final perspective that ultimately is our perspective and what it means and what the call is that's in front of us as people who believe in this person who lived 2,000 years ago, and what difference that makes in our lives today. So, I'm going to invite you into the opening words uh, of a letter written by the Apostle John to uh, some churches full of people who never knew Jesus And John being among those who saw him and touched him and listened to him and knew him personally, uh, John is writing now with this post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, post-ascension perspective to sort of frame all of this really for us. I mean, John's writing to you because you and I, uh, we didn't get to see him, touch him, listen to him, um, respond to him, know him in a personal human sense. And so, these words are really for all of us as we ponder this morning the difference that Christ makes to us personally as those who never knew him in the human sense. So, We'll begin in just the very first verse of the book of 1 John. If you're looking in your Bible for 1 John, uh, just go all the way to the back and turn left. All right? So if you find the book of Revelation, that's the last book in the Bible, and just turn left and you'll be very close. Uh, All right. That which was from the beginning This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you. So that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him. But does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. There is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Do you remember the look on the math teacher's face? When, if you were in my class, it was probably me. Some of you never would have said anything like this to your math teacher, I understand that. But the comment that always comes up as you move up in math classes in high school is you, read, you know what? You know what it is? When am I ever going to use this? Right, when am I ever going to use this? You're telling me that number is imaginary? Are you kidding me? Well, if you can make it up, why am I studying? Right? The answer to that question is so you don't look like an idiot when your kids come to you for homework help. I've given up on that. Just, donk, idiot. Um, So... There's a lot packed into John's little introduction here. And I don't want to chase theological rabbit tails. I want to answer the question, what difference does this make? When are we ever going to use this in real life? And so I want to just sort of frame this as... John's distillation of our call as, as people who have come to believe in the work of Christ for our own benefit. What does it mean for us? What difference does it make? How are we going to use this? And the first thing that John emphasizes as he, as he writes this letter to a bunch of people who never knew Jesus is simply this, love the God who became human. Love him. Love him. This is about love. At the end of the day, that is the one thing that will stand for all eternity, the love of God. Uh, Well, we could add to that the word of God, we could add the Trinity, but you get the idea. Um, we are called to love this God who left his place in eternity and came to this (laughs) broken, uh, messed-up planet knowing it would be the death of him. He knew that, and he chose to come anyway. And he came because he loves us. That's what compelled everything. Everything. Uh, from the moment of creation and actually prior to the moment of creation, what was compelling God was his heart of love. And so, to love God means to draw near to him, to reorient our posture from one of rebellion to one of openness and movement toward the heart of God, to draw Near to him because he is approachable. I love the way John rolls that out in the first few verses that we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. You can almost hear him saying, You know, we ate with him, we walked with him, we, you know, he was there, he was actually there. This is the God who showed up. And John says that, that one trait of God looking down, his loving heart breaking on our behalf and saying, I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to jump in with both feet and go there. Knowing what the cost would be, that makes him approachable. Do you remember... The, the, this, in this sermon series, this picture of Jesus that was developed and just how brutal he was to the religiously uptight. That's probably one of the things that came across to me the most And as I was researching for this series was just how brutal he was to those in his circles who were religiously uptight he let them have it and was not very nice about it. You know, this is not the the sweet, kind, timid Jesus we learn about in Sunday school class. This guy was ready to to make some changes. And yet at the same time he was accessible to prostitutes, to drunkards, to lepers, to tax collectors who were looked down on by everybody. Um, He was approachable. And even even some from among the class of the religiously uptight, I think of Nicodemus, uh, that Jesus um, drew to himself. Uh, Wealthy people, poor people, it didn't matter. He was approachable. I think of the woman at the well that shows up in the Gospel of John, and she's just had a devastating um, series of relationships in her life. And she's an outcast. She's down at the well by herself because she can't go there when all the other women are there because she can't stand what they say about her. And Jesus approaches her and makes God approachable to this woman and to us, to all of us this approachable God that we're called to draw near. He is approachable and he is transformative. John talks about this in verses 4 through 6, that he brings with him, and when we respond to him, when we approach him, he brings joy and light and fellowship. The the reason that we can tolerate each other is because we all know we've been forgiven to the same degree by the same person. Um, We are all equal in that respect. And there is a transformative aspect to the love of God through Jesus Christ. It changes us. And Where we once had hostility between God and others, he replaces that with the joy of our salvation, with the light of his love, and with the fellowship of connection with others who share in these blessings. We are to draw near. And we are to stop and let him love us. Uh, The author of the book we use to kind of structure this series, uh, Talks about a great encounter he had as a flight was delayed in the Chicago airport, and he's sitting next to this woman who's going to the same conference he is, and they begin a five-hour conversation as they wait for the plane to be uh, loaded. And he's sharing with her all of the the spiritual things that he's wrestling with and that his mind is trying to get around and these deep theological truths and thoughts and questions and at the end of the five-hour conversation the woman interrupts him and says, "Um, Philip, do you ever just stop and let God love you? That is a great question. Do we ever just stop and let God love us? We are those who wrestle. That's in fact what Israel, the word Israel means. Uh, those who wrestle with God. You can look it up, Genesis chapter 32. It's a great story. Um, that's who we are. But at times, we just need to hear the bell you know, ding, the round is over, go sit down and let him love us. Because that's really what it's all about. And what's so remarkable about our wrestling is it doesn't change the one simple fact that God loves us. So we can wrestle all we want. We can kick and bite and scream and, uh, At the end of the day, he still loves us. So our call is to periodically, if not continually, stop and let God's love pour over us. He went to great lengths to reach you, to bring you to himself. And he has paid a great price to redeem you. And so, at the end of the day, he really does want us to just stop and sit and remember that we are loved. We are brought into his family, John reminds us in these verses. We have not only Christ, but the fellowship of each other, where we can rest and stop the wrestling. So... We're to love this God who became human, to draw near to Him, to stop and let Him love us, and we're called to emulate emulate the sinless friend of sinners. And this is a a phrase that Philip Yancey uses in this chapter, and I I tried about thirty different ways to reword it. It's a pretty good phrase. I I couldn't figure out a way to say it better. He's the sinless friend of sinners. He doesn't look upon us uh, through the lens of judgment. He looks upon us through the lens of friend, of love, of one who cares and wants to come alongside. And we are to be people who live like him, who respond like he did, who love like he did. We are to reflect, John reminds us, his humility. The humility of Christ is to be of value for our own lives. It's to shape the way we respond to God and to others. And John reminds us that honesty is the way to forgiveness. Honesty is the way to forgiveness to forgiveness. I I think you remember in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve blew it? What was the first thing they did? They run and hid. Um ran and hid? Ran and hid. Sorry. What? They hid they done did hid. (laughs) They did. They hided. They hided themselves. That's right. They sailed. And yins did too. That's a West Virginia thing, sorry. Um, so they hid. And they covered themselves, right? And this whole reflex of covering and hiding. Let's call it self-protection. It is native to who we are, right? And our tendency is to downplay our sin. God says, no. Take, Take the fig leaf off and just go, hey, this is it. This is all you got. And I'm not Glorious in and of myself, but I'm, I, I, I need your forgiveness. And that humility breeds honesty in the way we relate to God, which leads us to His forgiveness. You know, the problem with light is it's brutally honest, it reveals the truth. And John says, this Jesus is the light. He's come into the world. He's lived here. He walked here. He taught here. Um, We saw him, and we saw the light, and it revealed a lot. And not all of it was pretty, but it was true. And so, in the same way that honesty is the way to forgiveness, we learn that self-protection leads to emptiness. Jesus really did the opposite of self-protection. And this is something that we don't like to talk about. But it's so biblically rich. When he was nailed to that cross, do you know what he was wearing? Nothing. Just as Adam and Eve were created wearing nothing naked before God and I'm sorry that's uncomfortable I know Um, I'm not really sorry Uh, but there he was completely exposed the the complete opposite of our self-protective responses just laid out bare exposed vulnerable and We are to learn from that, to be the people who can be humble and open and vulnerable. So we reflect his humility, and so also we are to reflect his goodness, John reminds us. That at the end of it all, the heart of Christ is good. And as we are redefined in the terms of who we are by his grace What should flow forth from us is goodness. So, John reminds us that one of the reasons that we can, that we are free to be good, is the knowledge that Jesus will always have our back. My little children, he says in chapter 2, verse 1, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And again, there's a lot of theology in that little verse. We're just going to focus right now on what it means for us that Jesus is the propitiation. For our sins. He is the means by which our sins are taken away. And we are left free before God, unashamed, loved. Because Jesus has our back, we are called to grow in our capacity to show grace. This is the essence of Christ's likeness becoming like him um, that we learn to respond to others not out of self-protection but out of love and forgiveness and grace so this emulating of this sinless friend of sinners means we take upon ourselves his humility and his goodness and in the midst of it we know we will blow it, we will trip, we will stumble, we will fall. And he, he's got it covered. And so, we love God, we emulate him, and we love the people that Jesus loves. Think about that for a second. Is there any category of person who is left out... Of that call to love, to love the people that Jesus loved. And as I mentioned earlier, as hard as he was on the religiously uptight, as brutal as he was, there were still Pharisees and scribes and others and pe- members of the priestly class in Israel who came to him and were forgiven. We're loved. We're included in our family that we will spend eternity with. And so there really is no one that we're allowed not to love. Um, Let's talk about that for a minute. If we're to love the people that Jesus loved, we have to stop railing against others. You do that? I do. Right? Turn on a news channel, turn on your radio. Well, my radio is almost always on a talk thing, you know. Um, we are. So far from where God calls us to be, and I, you know, I have this habit. I have this it's, it's a really bad habit. I listen to NPR, right, like a lot, and and if I, you know, if I can't stand that, I go over to the BBC on my little satellite radio. You know, even weirder, right? Because they talk funny when they're telling the news, but. what (laughs) hey you were born here what are you talking about Um, when you do that you gather all kinds of perspectives on issues some of which I don't like and I usually don't do this when my kids are in the car, usually, but I I can be found driving down the highway yelling back at my radio, (laughs) right? And ranting and railing and, uh, yeah, we, we all do this in some way or another, right? We all have categories of people we can't stand. Am I wrong? There's somebody out there you just can't stand that category of person. Where do we start? The list is long. John says, John says, stop stumbling over other people's sin. If if you go, if if you make a volitional choice to leave the realm of light and turn towards what he calls hate, then You're walking in the dark, and you're going to trip over other people's sin. And John says, turn around, walk back into the light, and you can see everything clearly, and there's no need to rail. There's no need to rant. I've got this, Jesus says. Um, No spouse has ever been made a better person by criticism. No child has ever. Been <laughs> what? No child has ever been made into a man or woman of God through criticism. We are so quick to pour out wrath, and we are called to something so different to love, to forgive. So, stop stumbling over the sin of others and regain your focus on the love of Christ. It is ultimately the only thing that matters in this universe. How will we ever use this in real life? Um. Everywhere. As our call to love involves turning away from the railing we do, it also calls us to look at others in a new light, the light of Christ. Love puts us all in the same boat, where we look at even those we are screaming at on the radio, and we see them through Jesus' eyes. They're people, they're human, they're flawed like we are, they're sinful like we are. They need the same thing we do. They ultimately are our brothers and sisters on this planet. Love creates level ground. Where I cannot look at you when I'm forgiven of the mountain of sin in my own heart by Christ And say, I'm better than you. My mountain of sin is smaller than yours? What's that? Um, The cross puts us on level ground. And John, as he tries to explain this Jesus, that virtually no one who reads this letter has ever met, he just simply says, I met him. I was there it is so real i can hardly describe it and it changes everything it changed who i am it changed the way i relate to god it changed the way i relate to others we are to be this people who love will you pray with me God, our Father, we confess that we are nothing like you, but you became like us, and you lived here. You moved here. You were tempted here. You exposed yourself here. You were wounded here. You know the temptation to withdraw into self-protection. And yet you chose to overcome that through love. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to you and ask that you would pour out your grace upon us and give us what we need to be able to extend your grace to others. That we would reflect in this world the light that comes from your heart. That we would see others as our brothers and sisters because of what you have done for us through Christ. It is in his name we pray, amen.